Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Right, Romans chapter 9. We'll be in verses 14 through 23 today. 14 to 23. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? Paul says, may it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then, he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires. Well, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Here's a church I'm going to tell you this will be be the most difficult section of Romans chapter 9 that we will work with, uh, at least in my estimation and my preparation. So take a deep breath. So this morning we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the glory of God and leaders and clay. Leaders and clay, I kind of like that. But Paul asked some hard questions. So we're going to deal with hard questions and the glory of God. We're going to talk about leaders and clay this morning. So, here we go. Paul continues this most difficult conversation regarding the sovereignty of God, the mercy of God, and the wrath and judgment of God regarding both Israel and Gentiles. Paul states his great burden for the salvation of the Jews in the beginning of the chapter, so much so you remember he makes this statement that he wished he could be accursed in order for his people, the Jews, to know Christ. So he makes this almost hypothetical statement, right? He said, I would almost be cursed myself if my people would come to know Christ. So Paul states then that God is faithful to his word and promises um, to both Israel and to Gentiles whom he will call to salvation. Paul talks about God's purposes in his covenant with Abraham. We talked about that last week. He demonstrates his mercy, faithfulness, and sovereignty when he calls his barren 90-year-old Sarah to have a child. He keeps his promise to Abraham that he'll be the father of a nation that will be as numerous as the grains of sand in the beach. He chooses Isaac to fulfill his purposes 
as opposed to Ishmael. He chooses Jacob, the younger, to lead as opposed to Esau, the older. So we, we've talked about those things the last two weeks. And now in verse 14, we begin today with an almost familiar form of questioning from Paul. So you remember, Paul starts out again today, what shall we say then? In like fashion, we saw this in chapter 3 in verse 5, right? Where Paul says, But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say then? Or in 4.1, and relevant to what we're talking about today, What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? So remember, Paul, what then shall we say? What shall we say? He says it again in 6.1. Remember, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And what was the answer? May it never be. Or Paul's version of heck no, right? That's Paul's version of heck no. He answers the question right away. Uh, And I'm not being redundant. This is important. Paul says it in 6.15. What then? Shall we sin because we're no longer under the law but under grace? Heck no. May it never be. So in 7.7, what does Paul do? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. Again. Thank you. Somebody's awake. So we get this conversation with Paul in 831. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? So now we here we are in 914. Paul is addressing uh, his readers as if he's addressing an opponent. Okay? And so... We're going to have a couple of main questions and a couple of points here. So, number one, if you're taking notes, is God just? Is God just? And then we're going to talk about Moses and mercy. Is God just? We're going to talk about Moses and mercy. Then we're going to talk about Pharaoh and a hard heart. Pharaoh and a hard heart. Then we're going to ask a really difficult question a few minutes later. How can God find fault with people? How can God find fault with people? Paul asks a question, so will we. All right? So, here we go. Verse 14. Yes, I still have a voice. And, you know, someone mentioned, when you have four grandchildren, you don't get rest. You have fun. You have lots of... So, fun takes the place of rest. It does. And you need it just as much. So, yes, it was two days two days of out and out fun well really three and yes I'm tired but I'm awake now so here we go is God just Paul says there is no injustice with God is there he answers his question may it never be but two things we're going to see here two things God's love and we've talked about this God's love does not depend on anything man can do God's love he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So number one, God's love does not depend on anything that man can do. Number two here, God's mercy does not depend on anything that man can do. I should say can do or has done, but we'll keep it simple, right? You get the point there. All right, so just a minute here. If you turn to Exodus 33, you know, you remember what's going on here. God and Moses are having this conversation because no sooner than God 
gives the Ten Commandments, the children of Israel are down there playing, dancing, getting liquored up, and disobeying God, right? So they're getting crazy, worshiping the calf, dancing, drinking. Uh, and yes, some Baptists do dance. Some do. Some do. I'm not telling on anybody that I know. But nonetheless, the children of Israel were carrying on in a way God didn't want them to, right? So God, Moses has to go back up on the mountain with God. And they're having this conversation. And here's something in this passage that I'm not so sure that even as your pastor, I understand the depth of what God is doing here. But Moses, here in Exodus, Moses asked God to show him his glory. In a way, Moses is saying, dude, are you you're really going to do all this? And then Moses says, God, how am I supposed to do this? And you want me to do this? And you want me to do this? And so God and Moses are together on the mountain, right? And he says, God says to Moses in verse 17, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. So in Exodus 33, 17, we do see another example of God, right? God finds faith, Moses finds favor with God. Somehow God chooses and extends his grace to Moses, but then Moses asks this question. He says, I pray you, show me your glory. Moses is bold, right? He says, God, show me your glory. He wants to see God's glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will extend or I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. And I love this part because I've never understood it. And I could have stopped at 19. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Listen, so as we turn back to Romans and we see Paul using Moses as an example, one thing we have to remember in the big picture, this whole thing is all about God. It's about God's glory. You see, we say, why did God show mercy to Israel in the Old Testament? Why did God choose them? Remember, we talked about that in past weeks. Why did God show mercy to me and maybe not to someone else? One, we're going to, again, continue to talk about the sovereignty of God, but it's also, bottom line, for God's glory. So we're going to kind of take that through with us this morning. So God's love did not depend... God's love or grace towards Moses didn't depend on anything that Moses had done. Remember what God told him before. I didn't choose y'all because you were great, powerful, and pretty. He, he said, as a matter God really didn't say, as a matter of fact, y'all aren't. But, but, but they were small, right? He made this promise to Abraham. God says, it's because I set my affection upon you. So in verse 15, he says this to Moses. The reason that God has compassion and mercy on you is for God's own glory. God loves you. He created you, right? He has a plan for our lives. But we're going to see God has some plans sometimes for people that we don't fully understand or like. So we're going to see that in just a moment. So then we see in verse 16, Paul explains this, right? 
It doesn't depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. There's nothing that I can do that can cause God to like me more. There's nothing that I can do to make God love me less. Matter of fact, God's love for you and the value that he places on you has absolutely nothing to do with your behavior. Oh my, some of y'all just, somebody almost fell out of their chair. A couple of y'all almost fell out of your chair. How can God be that gracious? That means I can do whatever I want? We answered that way back in chapter 6. Paul said, heck no. Right? Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. Yeah, so here we go. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn God's favor. He chooses to love you. Listen, to me, and maybe I'm just getting this in my old age, or maybe I'm just making it up, but because God values, that just causes me to understand God's love in a much deeper way. God values me and loves me because he created me, and, and, and I am his child as a follower of Jesus. Look, look, God doesn't value me uh, because I'm pretty or because I, I did something courageous or wonderful. And God's love for me does not diminish based on my behavior. I'm his child. Did y'all hear me say, uh, and all you English teachers cover your ears, God don't have no stepchildren. <laughs> Once you are a child of God, that does not change. But let's not stray too far from the text here. So we see then. Here comes, so we, we get a partial answer to the question, right? But then Paul just throws, you ever, uh, you ever throw a wrench in your friend's bicycle wheel and make them flip over the, no? Well, don't do that. But I thought about doing that when I was a kid. We used to do stuff to each other. Well, that's what Paul, that's what Paul does here. Paul, we're all riding our bikes and Paul throws a wrench right in your front wheel. Here he goes. Because the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So here is God, Paul is referring to Pharaoh, using Pharaoh as an example. God raised up Pharaoh for the simple purpose of God's glory being shown through someone he was not going to save. Oh my, now I'm scratching my head, right? Yeah, so, so here we do, let's do this. Three times, okay? I didn't figure this out on my own. I read a really good article because uh, I'm lazy. But if we went back and read, I shouldn't tell you all of those things, should I? So if we went back, and I have read the entire book of Exodus several times in my life. I have. I didn't this week. Three times God declares that he will harden Pharaoh's heart during this time. We're going to go back and look at it in a minute. Six times, God actually hardens Pharaoh's heart. Remember during the plagues, Pharaoh says, yeah, okay, just stop it, Moses. Make that stuff stop, and I'll let him go. I'll let him go. Moses makes it stop, and then Pharaoh says, psych. You know, and so, and this continues, right? And then we see that six times, God actually hardens Pharaoh's heart. So seven times, uh, no, that's not what I want to talk about. That's another whole wrench. We're going to skip that wrench. Three times we are told that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Now, now we would almost kind of have to wrestle this through. Um, and I, and we're, we're only going to wrestle for so long because some of you are stronger than me. I'll get tired. But if we went back to Exodus chapter 4, 
I didn't cheat and I don't have, uh, I'm turning back there just like you are. So Exodus 4.21, I'm just going to give you an example here. The Lord said to Moses in Exodus 4 and 21, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I, God speaking, I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So this is going on. You know how the story continues. Chapter 7, verse 3. But I, God says, will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. So, is God going to use Pharaoh, the Egyptians who have enslaved his people, the circumstances of slavery? God is going to use all of that for his glory. Okay? And he says it one more time in 14, uh, in 14.4. But here, I want to look at one of the times. In 8.15, I just want you to see this. Exodus 8. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, right? Uh, some of us have maybe experienced it. Well, I, I told y'all I'd just talk about me. I've experienced this in my own life. You probably haven't. But when Pharaoh saw, when Charlie saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. You know, sometimes, sometimes we'll just pause here a minute. We'll gently apply the brakes for just a moment and say, Sometimes we pray and we ask God for relief. Sometimes I remember asking God for relief from my own personal sinfulness. And after hearing these stories from the time that I was, a, these accounts of God's word, from the time that I was a child, when I became a young man and knew better and still lived like the devil, I had a little bit of good godly fear. Because I always feared that my heart would become hardened the longer I stayed out there doing what I was doing. Now, this is, I don't want to venture too far from the text here, but, and the writer, uh, Douglas Moo, in his uh, commentary on Romans does mention this, so I appreciate that. I'm not, just, I'm not just throwing in my own personal experience here, but I am. That sometimes, even as followers of Jesus, even as Christians, we have to be really careful that, that we don't take God's grace for granted and allow our own hearts to become hardened to that little sin that's okay for me because nobody knows about it, but, you know, everybody else is out there doing all them terrible things, right? Terrible, terrible things, right? But you've got your cute little sin that, you know, not you, me. I have my cute little sin that I like to keep back. And, and so sometimes that can lead to, that can lead to a callous heart, a spirit that's not fully yielded uh, to God's spirit, but uh, and the writer and the writer wrestles with this. But I think what Paul really is talking about here, he's still talking about God's power and God's glory in choosing, you know, whom He will save and whom He will not. So it's all about God. It's all about His glory. But even Pharaoh and the Egyptians were set up so that God could demonstrate His compassion and mercy to Israel. Now, a whole great big mouthful there, but very important. We're back in Romans chapter 9, and we're seeing, remember, so is God just? Is God just? So these things, so this kind of runs parallel, and it's really hard to understand. God, 
did not harden Pharaoh's heart because he knew ahead of time that Pharaoh was going to harden his own heart. That's not how God plays ball, okay? So that's one of the hard things, right? Because my mind starts racing, right? God's eternal. God is sovereign. God knows what's going to take place, right? But some, somehow the exercise of the human will of mankind, men and women, does have a role, okay? We're going to talk about that more in chapter 10. So all you whosoever will people, don't get mad and leave. When we get to Romans chapter 10, we're going to get excited about the gospel just like we are this morning, okay? So whosoever will, God's choosing. We're going to have fun, I promise. So, so, so this runs parallel somehow. Somehow in the way that God ordered things, right? Pharaoh was hardening his own heart and God was hardening Pharaoh's heart for God's own purposes. And therefore, um, and God is also, through Paul, uh, Paul, is, Paul is showing the believers here or telling the believers here in this letter that some want to say that Paul is talking about the saving of a nation here. And I don't think that Paul's necessarily talking about the saving of nations, but he's talking about the saving of individuals who may be part of these nations. Because remember, he already talked about the individuals when he started out here, right? Talked about Abraham, talked about Isaac, talked about Ishmael, talked about Jacob and Esau. So I, if, if you're tracking with me here, I, I don't want to get too far off here. You could make that case. And some of us may have different beliefs about the future of the nation of Israel based on what we read here in Romans and what we read in the book of Revelation. And that's for another day. Or at least the majority of that is for another day. But verse 17, when we talk about Pharaoh's hard heart, we're looking at three things. We're looking at God's action, Pharaoh's action, and God's glory on display. And I put even in judgment. Even in judgment, God's glory, verse 17, God's glory is on display. So, so Paul answers the first question, right, in verse 16. So then we're in 17 through 19 here talking about Pharaoh. And then Paul answers the question in 18. So then he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires. Somehow you and I, in our understanding uh, of our relationship with God, we just have to trust God that he is sovereign. I think a point of application here, if you will, we already talked about one's own personal sinfulness and the hardening of one's own heart. Last week, we really emphasized, do I have a sense of urgency about the gospel? And, um, um, and I learned last week what uh, one of our young adults says after every sermon, she says, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? She wants to obey the word of God directly, right? And so I say then, uh, as a point here, you and I do not, you and I don't know who God is calling to salvation. You and I have no idea who God's going to save and who God's not going to save. As a matter of fact, we're not even supposed to spend a whole lot of time thinking about it because God, we know what God has called us to do, right? We know what God has called. He's called us to share the gospel. He's called us to share the love of Jesus Christ with individuals who need salvation. And, and I think so, as, as, 
just as a point of application here, we must remember last week we said, I must have a sense of urgency about sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people. That's right. Because I don't know who God's going to call. And I don't know, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, I just cheated and went to Romans chapter 10. Uh, that so, so God is calling people to salvation, but he has commanded believers to share the gospel with everyone. Share the gospel. And he's given you your sphere of influence, right? And you know what that, you know, um, Jalen will stand on the corner with a bullhorn and, preach, and street, preach the gospel all day long. I love Jalen. And some of you, some of you, you're more built. You'll be sharing the gospel with your friends through a personal relationship. And you'll just look for opportunities to serve your friend and share the love of Jesus with them and share some scripture with them. And, and some of you, you might even exercise what Paul calls a foolishness of preaching and stand up in front of people and, and share the love of Jesus Christ with others. But remember, we don't know. We don't know. And so we continue. So then... Pharaoh in a hard heart was all, again, ultimately a demonstration of God's glory. God's action, Pharaoh's action, and God's glory on display. But then here is what I thought was the most difficult question in verse 19. What you will say to me then, how, and, and I'm rephrasing it based on, because I didn't understand it when I read the verse. How can God still find fault with people? Right? How can God still find fault with people then? Based on what we've talked about, right? For who can resist God's will? So, God is calling people to salvation. God's not calling other people to salvation. Then, then how can God find fault with people? And here it gets good. Um, and I'm just going to stick close, really closely to the Word of God here. Uh, several weeks ago, I thought there was, this was so much fun several weeks ago as an activity with our two grandsons um diane bought i don't know like a million a million packets of clay not really but like several different colors right and we took this clay and and i was wondering how the boys were going to respond to this we were watching the boys while melissa was doing some things some educational stuff and so it was an activity for them to keep their little hands busy but they were going to create some of their favorite characters out of this clay and I thought, you know, they're just going to make up this little ball of stuff and call it something. But, you know, they were really good. I, I'm telling you, they're, uh, what do you call that? They're tactile. They're, yeah, it was really something for five and six years old. Uh, one's favorite animal was a cheetah. And the other's favorite uh, animal was a snake, I think, at the time. But the boys, they made about 3,700 of these things, right? <laughs> That's kid talk. They made a whole bunch of them. And then we put them in the oven and we baked them and then they painted them um, maybe not in that order and so when it came out they really did look like what the kids wanted I, I was like so thrilled right I was like I didn't make any of these because you can't make stick figures out of clay right? that's all I'm good for but so so and this is what Paul is talking about here uh, in verse 20 he says on the contrary who are you, O oh man, who answers back to God? In other words, who are you to question how God does what he does in his sovereignty? And I'm like, oh, wow, it's getting deep now, right? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay 
to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use. So here we go. Same lump of clay, the creator, right? He's making one vessel for honorable purpose, another vessel for a dishonorable purpose. We've already learned that God is going to be glorified and God is demonstrating his power through both of these. God is the potter and we are the clay, right? We could go, um, we could go to, sorry about that, in the book of Ezekiel, right, and talk about that. Um, and I'm not going to for the sake of time this morning, but here, listen to what he says. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endeared with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? In other words, God could have, right when Adam and Eve sinned, God could have said, oh, that's it. That's it, man. Wrath and judgment were done. They messed up. And God still would have been just in his treatment of sin but it says that God endured gener is enduring generations of sinfulness with patience because many are coming to Christ many are being saved right so and he did so for what purpose here we go what did we say verse 23 he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. God is pouring out his glory on you for his own glory. Remember, we said in Jesus Christ, God is sharing his very righteousness with believers through Jesus Christ. So God is not only going to share his glory with us, but he is enduring for generations for his own glory. So, Paul says, it's all about God's glory. It's all about God. It's not so much about us. But Paul, but the hard question, how then can God find fault? How then, why does God express, why will God express his wrath? Why will God judge? Because in his sovereignty, if God is holy, if God is just, remember we said, even in, in, when we talk about salvation, right? God cannot ignore sin. A high price was paid for the, for the sinfulness of believers, right? Remember we also said last week that not a drop of God's blood was shed in vain, amen? All right, but don't get discouraged. Chapter 10 is coming. Listen, we're wrestling through uh, and, and in short, uh, in a shorter sermon today, uh, if I said to you believers, followers of Jesus, be encouraged. Be encouraged because God has poured out his mercy and compassion towards you. And be encouraged, followers of Jesus, because God's great love for you is not based on your behavior. Nor is the depth of God's love for you um, Base, God doesn't place value on you because of your good deeds, nor is it diminished by your own sinfulness. God loves and values you. I always say this much, and it never changes. Now, one, if you are not a follower of Jesus today, and you hear us read about the hardening of one's heart, or God's destruction, or God's wrath, and God's justice, 
if God is God, and we're saying that he is, every part of God's character has to be perfect. God has to be just. God has to be holy. Therefore, you and I have to be holy. As sinful human beings, the only way we can be holy is through Jesus Christ. Amen? So, then, is God just? Yes, God is just. So we talked about that when we talked about Moses and mercy. We talked about Pharaoh and a hard heart. A warning to us, even as followers of Jesus, we're to take sin seriously. And we can't afford to play with God. Um, and we have to understand that in his sovereignty, God has to exercise judgment. Sometimes we see, even in the hardening of one's heart, God is at work, and that person is also responsible hardening his or her own heart by not responding to the gospel once they've heard it. So we see God's glory on display. And then thirdly, how can God find fault? We have this, this picture of the potter and the clay. And who are we, the clay, to speak back to the potter and say, hey, why did you do this? And the answer, and the answer is, the short answer, it's all about God's glory and God's purposes for eternity. Um, you say, Charlie, that's a, uh, that's a mouthful. It is. Romans chapter 9, one of the toughest chapters in the Bible, and, and we just, we're just touching it, even just for four weeks. I know you're like, really, dude, four weeks? I know. And, 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 really, and really, we're just, we're just understand, trying to understand a little bit of what Paul was expressing. And, and really, chapter 9, the majority of chapter 9 here is really almost a parenthetical statement and the bigger discussion. And then I'm going, uh, really? And, uh, but it's more of the statement that Paul says, oh, my gosh. I, I wish I could be a curse so that my fellow Israelites would all be able to come to know Jesus. So Paul's burden through all of this. And by the way, remember Paul, the guy sent to minister to the Gentiles. The Jew of Jews sent to minister to the Gentiles, right? God's purposes, right? God doesn't do things the way we think God should do things sometimes. And yet Paul has this great burden for his own people. Again, I'll continue. A sense of urgency about the gospel, believers, for us followers of Jesus. And certainly hear the gospel if you are one who does not yet know Christ. Hear that God loves you, values you, and desires for you to surrender your life to him in salvation, confessing your sins. But let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning.